Welcome to episode six of How to Be a Steminist. This week I'm talking all about imposter syndrome and more importantly, the strategy I personally use to overcome imposter syndrome. So if this is something you've suffered with before, you are going to want to listen in. This is the How to Be a Steminist podcast. I'm your host, Tiffany, a proud woman in STEM. To me, being a STEMinist means creating a wildly fulfilling career without compromising your family or social life. Because when you love your whole life, you become a living example that a career in STEM is where it's at. I'm on a mission to equip women in STEM around the world with strategies to take back control of their career progression, navigate those difficult and awkward gender equality issues, and stop balancing work with life and start enjoying it. If you want to learn all the things no one else teaches you about being a woman in STEM, you've come to the right place. Let's get stuck in. Look, there is no denying that imposter syndrome is something that plagues so many women in STEM. Now, if you've not heard the term imposter syndrome before, don't worry, I'm going to explain to you today what it is exactly. And even if you know what it is, you might learn a little bit from my definition of it. Apart from defining imposter syndrome, today I'll also share my own imposter syndrome story. This is probably something you're all really going to relate to one way or another. And finally, the most important part of this episode, I will share with you the strategy I personally use to overcome imposter syndrome. This topic was actually requested by one of my members in my Facebook group called Wonder Women in STEM, which is open to any women in STEM out there if you want to join. I'll leave a link to the group in the show notes. And this incredible woman who is really talented had said that she has suffered throughout her 20-year career with imposter syndrome and it rose massively after returning from maternity leave. I also hear a lot of people who are about to finish their PhD and might be looking for jobs in industry. And they also say they suffer massively from imposter syndrome because they're obviously going into something new. There's also people who have imposter syndrome on a day-to-day basis, when they're speaking up in meetings, they don't want to ask questions because they don't want to be found out as a fraud. So I think that imposter syndrome is definitely something that all of us face one way or another. And it's so important to understand exactly what it is so you can overcome it. What is imposter syndrome? So I'm sure there is a really slick definition on Google that you can find, but I'm going to explain to you what it feels like. Imposter syndrome feels like if you ever have any sort of success, you attribute it to being lucky. You were just in the right place at the right time or whatever it is, you were just lucky. But if you fail at something, it was all your own fault because of your lack of ability. So you can see how toxic this is. If you succeed, 
You think it's not from your own ability, it was just luck, but if you fail, it's all your own fault because you don't have the capability you should have. So have you ever had a friend who you thought was amazing at something and for some reason they just can't see it? It's frustrating, right? Well, chances are your friend probably also thinks that you're amazing at something, but you can't see it. The easiest way to identify having imposter syndrome is if there's something that heaps of people tell you you're good at, but you're always just thinking that you're either lucky at the time or they're just being nice. But you've probably been told this again and again that you're good at this thing or you've got this good attribute, but you just can't accept it as fact. Here's my own imposter syndrome story, and this might kind of explain to you a little bit more clearly what imposter syndrome is. When I was about six to seven years into my mechanical engineering career, I got promoted to team leader. Now, I was probably a little bit more junior than the other equivalent team leaders to me, and I was about to lead a team of about 20 people. Some of those team members were over 30 years into their career, so they had so much experience, so much life and career experience that I didn't have. Now, especially in engineering, I felt like I was surrounded by really intelligent people all the time. And I'm sure that if you are someone who works in STEM, you also feel the same. I was chosen for this role by my directors to make major design decisions for the team. So part of my role was to tell my team members how to present their work and tell people when they were using too many resources or using too much time on something, I might have also had to tell them about how the client really wanted this outcome and therefore our design needed to be, I guess, pivoted so that we meet that expectation. So there was quite a lot of big picture thinking and big decisions to be made. Another piece of background information you need to know about my story is that I was actually second pick for this role. The person who was originally chosen for this role actually accepted another role within the same company, so he had to give up this role that he was given. So this guy was obviously very talented because he was given two very senior roles to do. So there were a couple of things on my mind. I was leading a team of people and some of them were about 25 years more experienced than me. Um, I was telling these people what to do on a day-to-day basis. I felt like I was surrounded by very intelligent people because they were all engineers. And also, I wasn't actually the first choice to take on this role. So you can see now with all these little things building up how my own imposter syndrome might have come about. I felt completely out of my depth and these were the types of things that I was telling myself in my own head. Who am I to tell these people what to do? Everyone's going to find out that I'm not cut out for this role. 
how am I going to bluff my way through all of this? I only got this role because I was in the right place at the right time. Do any of these sentences sound familiar to you? Have you ever said any of these things to yourself? Despite all of these fears, I said yes to taking the role anyway, because I just knew that was the right thing to do. I was incredibly fearful, but I did it anyway. But when I got to doing the role, I didn't feel any better about it. I lived every day in fear of being found out. I used to go to work every morning and have to psych myself up about pretending to be better than I am because I thought that my team members would expect me to work at such a high level and I would never ever be able to live up to that in real life so I'd just have to pretend. And I felt so incredibly lucky to have that position because I was just given it because this other guy couldn't take it on at the time. Now, because of my perceived lack of ability, I would also overcompensate by working extra long hours, reading and rereading any emails I would send or any reports I wrote. And in all honesty, I was just really inefficient with my time and really stressed. It also affected my personal relationships because I just had no energy left for the people I loved the most when I stepped outside of work. So not only did I feel like I was failing at work, I was also failing at home and in my social life. It's been a few years since this specific thing happened to me and in hindsight, I can tell that I obviously was chosen for this role because I was good at doing this stuff. I was good at leading a team, getting people to work together, looking at the bigger picture, identifying what the client wanted and how we could make our design fit that uh, need and want. And these were some of the skills that I had and obviously my directors knew I had because I had worked with them for a long time. So they trusted me with this role. It wasn't just because I was lucky. It wasn't just because the other guy didn't take the role. I mean, I was given the role in the end for a reason. But when you're stuck in the middle of imposter syndrome, there is no way that you can see that clearly into the situation. So This is the strategy that is going to help you and is the strategy I use to overcome my imposter syndrome in this role. Are you ready? Listen up. Keep an evidence journal. So by evidence journal, I mean every time you receive some form of good feedback or you've done something that you are proud of, Write it down somewhere, save screenshots of thank you emails, all of that good stuff. Put it all in one place and name it your evidence journal. When we have imposter syndrome, we are really quick to dismiss our successes and forget about them. But we always focus on our failures and we always remember them. So this evidence journal forces you to actually focus on looking out for when you've done good work 
So in a way, you're actually retraining your brain to focus on things you've done well instead of focusing on things you've done badly. When you have a list that you've kept for a couple of months, you'll realize that it's actually impossible for anybody in this world to be so lucky that they achieved all of these things just due to luck itself. And when you have a bit of a wobble or if you're starting to feel imposter syndrome creep up, you can look back on all the great things that you've achieved and remember that this imposter syndrome feeling is just a little bump. Or maybe you have failed at something, but it is just a little bump and you've done so many great things in the past. Why is it not possible for you to move on and succeed in the future? Keeping an evidence journal doesn't just help you to cultivate a healthy and positive mindset, but it can help you in a lot of other situations as well. So let me give you a couple of examples. When you're applying for new jobs, you have to have this whole list of times that you've done good work and provide examples either in your CV, cover letter or in interviews, right? If you have this evidence journal already, you can just flick back to it and pick a couple of things from there. You've already made that list and it makes applying for jobs that much easier and quicker. Another time is if you are getting chartered. So I know, um, you know, in my field in engineering, a lot of people will try and get their chartered engineering status. This is also a time where you have to show that you have a portfolio of work and provide proof that you have either solved a specific problem or you've got a specific skill. So having this evidence journal, again, is going to save you so much time in the future for doing that. Overcoming imposter syndrome by creating an evidence journal doesn't happen overnight. It takes work and you need to be consistent with it. So I would say this strategy took me maybe three months before I realized, oh my goodness, I actually feel a lot lighter than I used to. I'm no longer worrying about all these little things that I used to worry about. So if this is something you want to do, please make sure that you are consistent with it at and at least try it for three months and see how you go. I'd love to know from you if you are about to try this out um, and keep me updated with your own journey as well. I'd love to see how it's going. The final thing I want to mention is that imposter syndrome is not something you can cure and never have or experience ever again. It's something that will keep creeping up again and again, but its voice will get a little bit softer if you keep chipping away at this evidence journal. Feeling like you're not good enough sometimes is completely normal. Even the most successful people that you see on TV are the best at their sport, they're best at their field of study, they all experience imposter syndrome. So the only difference is that they just don't let their fears hold them back from doing something that they're scared of. 
I hope that now that you've listened to this episode, you've got a good idea of what imposter syndrome is, what it feels like when you're in the thick of it, and a really simple but really useful strategy to overcome imposter syndrome. And finally, that successful people also experience imposter syndrome. It's just that they don't let that fear hold them back from doing the thing that they're scared of. So the next time you feel like imposter syndrome is creeping up or you're scared of doing something, think about whether it's actually going to harm you by doing it. If it's not, it's just a fear that's in your head and you should go ahead and do it anyway. If you enjoyed this week's episode, I would love it if you could please leave me a review so I can know what it is that you found most helpful and if you've got any suggestions for future podcast episodes as well. This also helps other women in STEM who might want career support to find this podcast. Next week, I'll be sharing the three-step framework I use for having difficult conversations. So if you find yourself avoiding hard conversations or you've been in a difficult conversation, but it kind of went a bit haywire, you're going to want to listen into that. I really look forward to speaking with you then. 